today on the Wager Pager podcast. Mississippi is the fourth state to legalize sports betting. And West Virginia will be the fifth, anticipating September 1st as the launch date, just in time for the first full slate of college football. And the NBA announces a groundbreaking deal with MGM Casino, making it the first of the four major sports leagues to ink a deal with an official gambling partner. We'll tell you all about that groundbreaking announcement. DraftKings partners up with Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City to be first to the market and launch an online mobile sports betting app in New Jersey. The largest sports bar in America, Buffalo Wild Wings, announces that it wants to serve up more than just wings and beer. The company is actively pursuing an opportunity to offer sports betting at its establishments. Mercedes catches up with Brian Mears, a senior editor at the Action Network, to talk about the opening odds on the Emmys for our ongoing segment about fun, exotic wagering. And Chris spoke with professional gambler, Las Vegas legend, and New Jersey native Bill Crackman Krackenberger about the importance of betting with a bankroll for our new Sports Betting 101 segment. Also, they touched on some pretty shady things that have been going on at certain William Hill sportsbooks. And finally, Jim Rulin, former Marist College defensive back and Wager Pager contributor, is here to discuss official plays for college football's mini week one, August 25th, and talk early leans for the official week one slate of games, September 1st. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager Podcast. Here we go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Wager Pager podcast, where we talk about everything in the world of legalized sports betting and give out picks and analysis. I'm your host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter, at the Wager Pager. And I'm here with my lovely co-host and girlfriend, Mercedes Barbara, because somehow I convinced her to do a podcast about sports betting with me. Hi, guys. That's right. I'm Mercedes Barba. You guys can follow me on Twitter, at Mercedes Bianca. Um, so we are so excited to have you guys back. We have a really action-packed episode for you. But first, we wanted to start off with some pretty important information coming out of the state of New Jersey. Um, so it's been about two months since the first official sports book opened in New Jersey on June 14th. Uh, the Division of Gaming Enforcement released its first official full month of revenue in the state of New Jersey for the month of July. Okay. The state of New Jersey brought in about $3.8 million in total revenue for its five legal sports books. Uh, so just so you guys know, revenue is a total number left after the sports books pay out all of their winning tickets. So it's, it's a gross profit. So, the total amount wagered for the month of July was $40.6 million. If you add that number to the numbers that were released um, just for the last 17 days of June, that was about $16.4 million, it comes to approximately $57 bucks. That's right. And soon we'll be seeing reports coming out of Mississippi because on August 1st, the Magnolia State became the fourth state where it is completely legal to place a sports bet. Yep. Currently, there are five sports books in Mississippi, right? Mm-hmm. And at least nine other Mississippi casinos have submitted applications for licenses. The only weird thing about the legislation in Mississippi is you have to be on site of the casino to use the mobile app. Really? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of what the casinos do in Vegas, right? With their mobile wagering apps, you have to be kind of on the premises if you're placing a sports bet. Um, Well, speaking of Vegas, um, another very important thing that's coming out of the sports gambling world is a super massive deal that the NBA just inked with the MGM Resorts. That's right. Uh, It's a multi-year partnership that will make MGM Resorts the official gambling partner of the NBA and the WNBA. 
Uh, this partnership is the NBA's first major deal with a sports betting operator in the U.S., and it's the first of its kind between MGM Resorts and a major professional sports league. Isn't that wild? So as part of the partnership, MGM Resorts will use official NBA and WNBA data and branding across MGM Resorts' online and in-person sports books across the U.S. So what does all this mean? Yeah. Uh, well, there's an interesting <laughs> article up on ESPN Chalk by friend of the pod, David Purdom and Darren Ravel. They say that uh, industry sources say the deal is worth $25 million over three years. Yeah. That number seems kind of low, though, right? What do you think? I don't know. Maybe everyone's just testing the waters because this is such a new industry that's forming right before our yeah. eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, and MGM will be allowed to use the NBA League and team logos wow. on its odds boards, yeah. both in person and online mobile apps, which is something that has never been done before in Las Vegas. Yeah. So now we'll be seeing like Lakers logos at odd boards at MGM owned sports books? Uh, I guess. Wow. I mean, yeah, it will make it easier for the casual better to understand the numbers, I guess. Yeah. So this deal is super important because it represents a total change in the mentality of the major sports leagues in the U.S. because for so long they were totally against the idea of legal sports betting and they even fought New Jersey for six years before ultimately losing in the Supreme Court decision that happened on May 14, 2018 that legalized sports betting. Yeah, it seems like the most important part of the deal will turn out to be the data partnership stuff because uh, it makes MGM retail or mobile sportsbooks the first to be able to implement the data from the NBA into their live in-game wagering platforms. Yeah, super interesting. All right, guys, so shifting gears here, we got some big news. DraftKings launched their online sportsbook app. Yes, they did. So on August 1st, DraftKings beat everyone to the punch. It became the first online mobile app to offer sports betting. The company did so by teaming up with the resort's hotel and casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Right, and the only stipulation is that you have to be physically located in the state of New Jersey to make a wager on the app. You don't have to live in New Jersey. You just have to be located <laughs> yeah. in New Jersey. You have to be standing in New Jersey. I see a lot of people like going over the Lincoln Tunnel, placing a bet, and heading back to Manhattan, you know? Yeah. So the company pretty much took a gamble on themselves when they decided to go ahead with the development of the app a full year before the Supreme Court decision back on May 14th. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the initial odds that were set for baseball were actually criticized on Twitter by the gambling community, uh, but they have since been readjusted. So opening odds for NFL Week 1 were actually very close to industry standards since the launch. And the app has a super interesting feature called Live Ticket. Get this. Every bet is an in-play wager. What? This means that for a parlay bet, for example, if you played a three-team parlay and the first two games hit, you can cash out before the third game if you get cold feet. What? Or for like a single-game wager, if you bet on, let's say you bet on the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley gets hurt in practice that week, you can cash out the ticket before the game even happens. Wow. Pretty cool. That's, That's pretty amazing. I don't think, I mean, that's kind of the first of its kind, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Also, Buffalo Wild Wings is the largest sports yeah. bar in America, mm-hmm. and, and it wants to get involved with sports gambling. What? I don't know how that's going to happen <laughs> because the legislation says that it has to be a racetrack or a casino. Yeah. They would have to become, I guess they would have to become one of the skins of the casinos. Each casino is allowed to have three different skins. Like right now, um, DraftKings is associated with resorts, right? right? So resorts could have like two more that they work with. So one of these casinos would have to go out on a limb and like work with Buffalo Wild Wings as one yeah. of their like providers of a mobile yeah. app. Which could happen. Um, and right now, you know, they did 
they did announce that they're possibly exploring the option of offering sports betting at some of its restaurants. So you could be sitting there with a nice beer and some dozen wings and be watching the game and making some money. Y'all have some boneless <laughs> wings and a six-team parlay. Yeah, and uh, according to an article that we read on CNN Money, Buffalo Wild Wings will partner with an already established established casino in order to get into the sports wagering. Um, it you know, would be hard for Buffalo Wild Wings to get a gambling license in every state that allows sports betting. Um, and it would be a lot of time and money involved for it to do that as well. So just partnering up with an already established casino could uh, make it easier for Buffalo Wild Wings. What's next? Like teasers at Hooters? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it is kind of the wild, wild west here. So we don't really know what's happening with this $150 billion industry that's Round finally coming here. <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe you can make some money when you're ordering your uh, blooming onion or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, guys. And now for our first interview of the show, it's for our ongoing segment about fun, exotic wagering. Mercedes sat down with Brian Mears. What's up, guys? We are continuing our ongoing segment about fun, exotic wagers that you can make on things like politics and entertainment. As you may or may not know, the 70th Annual Emmys Primetime TV Award Show kicks off at the Microsoft Theater in L.A. on September 17th. And today we are joined by Brian Mears. He is a senior editor over at the Action Network to discuss some of the Emmy opening odds. So, hey, Brian, welcome to the Wager Pager. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So many people aren't aware that you can bet on things like entertainment. Can you tell our listeners where they can go to throw down a bet on the Emmys? Yeah, there's a couple books. Uh, these are uh, offshore sports, sports books. Uh, my bookie uh, actually put out odds first, and then I believe a day or so later, um, Bet Online also put up odds. Their odds are pretty similar, I, I would say. They're, they're decent lockstep with one another, but uh, you can go to both of those places to uh, put down some money on the Emmys. And it seems like there are a lot of heavy favorites again this year. Um, and most of the years, the favorites win. Can you talk a little bit about some of these favorite plays? And in your opinion, is there money to be made this year on any long shots? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there are some big favorites. Uh, you know, you have, you know, like the best variety sketches, uh, of course, Saturday Night Live, which is a pretty big favorite. Um, it, this is actually a pretty interesting year, I would say, overall. Uh, the Emmys has been very, very dominated by one show, specifically in the comedy realm, which was Veep uh, and Julia Lewis-Dreyfus, who is the, the main character, the main girl. You probably remember her from Seinfeld. She uh, has swept uh, the last six awards for Best Lead Actress in a, in a comedy series. So um, that show is actually not up for an award this year because they took a break off. The seventh and final season is actually going to air in 2019. So. Uh, it's almost like the the Michael Jordan Bulls run of the 90s, and all of a sudden, you know, Michael Jordan goes off to uh, play baseball. I, it's sort of this uh, similar thing with Julia Lewis Dreyfus, who's you know taking a year off, and they're going to do the uh, the show next year. So it has opened up uh, some value, especially in in the comedy realm, because we aren't quite sure um, you know who, who's going to take it down. Um, I will say, you know, if you're looking at you know some of these odds, you know, a lot of people want to look at some of the previous awards be like the Golden Globes earlier in the year. And what I found is actually that there's very little correlation between the Golden Globes and the Emmys. Occasionally there's some, some correlation between, between the two, but in general the Emmys sort of favor some of like the bigger names and the bigger shows like Veep and, and Julia and Game of Thrones and, and stuff like that, whereas uh, the, the Golden Globes are definitely willing to give a chance on like a, a new show, be it like a uh, 
Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something of the last couple of years. So I would say that it's a different animal if you're sort of just like looking and trying to handicap based off Golden Globes or past awards. It doesn't quite work that way. So um, it's a really interesting season for sure. We do have some, some big favorites, of course, like I mentioned with Saturday Night Live. So over here at the Wager Pager, we are huge fans of Atlanta. Um, Donald Glover won last year for his outstanding yeah. lead actor in a comedy series. This year, he's a favorite again. Uh, but Bill Hader has been actually getting some rave reviews for his starring role in the HBO series Barry. Um, I saw him at around plus 200. Um, do you think that's a valuable play? Kind of. I mean, I, I definitely think that he's intriguing. Um, I, I really think it does come down to either Glover or Bill Hader, but I do think I do think that like Glover is a rightful, very large favorite. I mean, he's uh, I think he opened around like minus two seventy five. Now he's like close to the minus three hundred, and um, I, I, I'm a big Atlanta fan as well. Um, and I think that sort of with all the the buzz around Donald Glover, who uh, of course um, you know has put out some music videos. Because um, he is—he's the Charles Gambino is, is his his musical um, name. So I think uh, with all of sort of the buzz around him over the last year and a lot of like the social activism that he's done, uh, maybe I'm like reading way too much into that. But the buzz around Donald Glover seems to be very high this year. Um, so I I like Bill Hader. I think that it's a, an interesting bet, but. Um, I, I'm on the, the Glover train myself. Brian, last question for you. Uh, are the lines for the bigger awards like Most Outstanding Drama and Best Actor sharper than some of the other categories? Um, and do books take this into account like they do when setting lines for public teams like the Yankees or Notre Dame? Wow, that is a great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say no, they're definitely not as sharp, uh, mostly just because of the limits on them. You sort of see this dynamic with um, like the difference between um, like a player prop in the NFL and a line on like a side, be it a spread or a, a total, um, the spread and totals are going to be much, much sharper just because of the market. You can bet a lot more money on them, so the market's going to be heavier, uh, which means that they're going to be pounded in, into shape a little bit more. And honestly, books just have more incentives uh, when you have a higher limit. They have more incentives to get the line right in the first place so they don't get pounded on the side and be exposed e either way. Um, so really, your, your most inefficient lines are going to be the ones that you have the lower limits on. So there's going to be your player props in sports. And then you're, they're going to be your fun props, whether you like to gamble on the Emmys or uh, politics or, or whatever it may be. I would say that those markets are really not that efficient just because on some of these sites, you know, you can only wager like $100 on them. So that's just very different than like you can put $10,000 on a side for, for NFL or for the Yankees on um, their money line or something like that. So just the amount of money in the market uh, dictates that the, um, I don't think the spreads are, are quite as, as efficient as they would be for a big sport. Uh, we will be checking in with these lines and uh, everything that's going on with the Emmys the closer they get. Uh, the 70th Emmys kick off again in L.A. September 17th. Uh, we were just joined with Brian Mears. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian underscore Mears. And he is a senior editor at the Action Network. Brian, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate your input. Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, guys, moving on to our final interview today. This is for our new segment called Sports Betting 101. Chris chats with pro better Bill Krakenberger. All right, guys, we're here with Bill Krakenberger, professional sports better based out of Las Vegas. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, if you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your career as a professional gambler. I've uh, been betting sports since I was a little kid. You know, you grew up in the 
on the East Coast anywhere, especially in the kind of family I grew up in. And of course, uh, you're going to be subjected to sports betting your whole life, which I did. I grew up on a boardwalk town, Kingsburg, and I grew up on that boardwalk since I'm nine years old working. And, uh, you know, my mother's family is Italian. They always gambled. After when Thanksgiving came and the holidays and get-togethers, at nighttime when the kids went to bed, the cards came out and the adults always gambled. And then, you know, by the time I was 15, 16, I kind of had the best of a lot of things. I read a little bit. By 16 years old, I had more knowledge than, than a lot of people do. Sports betting came by a, I, I was always pretty good in sports betting. I always knew to take dogs and rather than favorites in baseball, for example. And uh, I, I can tell you that when I really became a professional, when I wanted to do it full time, when I met someone, and that was in Atlantic City, and I, I met somebody that kind of changed my life and told me you can make a living betting sports. And he showed me a lot of the different, different things. He kind of opened his playbook. I was a young, I was pretty young at the time. And I actually took a piece from his playbook. I wound up going partners with him. And we, we were partners for the next decade together. All right. So uh, why don't you yeah. tell me, uh, I know you're like, I know you're big on money management. Can you explain to our audience like the importance of having a bankroll and what percentage of that bankroll do you suggest playing on any individual wager? Well, if you think you're a winning sports better, you have to have a designated bankroll also. So you have a designating bankroll to just betting sports. That's not taking money out of your bank account, out of your bill money to bet sports with. It's not borrowing money from anybody. It's not going to your parents or your family to, to, to say, hey, I'm trying this venture and I'm, you know, give me some money. That's money that you put aside just for sports betting. And you should be betting 1% to 2% of that bankroll. So let's have a fictitious bankroll of $10,000. If you have $10,000, you should be betting 100 to $200 a game. I know it sounds crazy, but that's how you make money. Mm -hmm. Because what's going to happen is that 1% to 2%, if you're a successful better, that 1% to 2% of your bankroll is going to grow. So once you're, once it goes to $20,000, now the 1% to 2% is no longer 100 to 200. It's 200 to 400 now, and so on. So... And, and that'll grow, obviously, from there. You, you know, so your bets will not be $100 They're going to be four or $500. As long as you're winning, as long as you have winning information. You know, I'll give you another thing for not only bankroll management. I don't even watch the games. I, I, there's no really? loyalty. There's no, I have no, no, really, I have no allegiance to anything except for my bankroll. Right on. So the only allegiance I have is to my bankroll. I have no favorite teams anymore. I, you know, I grew up with a Yankee fan, a, a big I loved baseball when I was a kid. I never really liked NFL teams, but I have no problem. I love betting against the Yankees. Love it. Because especially here in Vegas, you get extra. Yeah, you know, you're gonna get extra juice when you're when you're betting against the Yankees every night. So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna make some money betting against these big marquee name teams, and especially in NFL. You're going to get the extra points betting against a team like New England Patriots every game. There have been some reports of people getting booted from Monmouth Park for winning too much. Is this something that happens at William Hill Sportsbooks on a regular basis? Absolutely does. It absolutely happens at William Hill. Their model is to throw anyone out that's sharp. I, I know a guy thrown out just for playing tennis. And, and by the way, he was just been playing favorites over a period of three months, just getting lucky. Total square. And he, he was booted from William Hill for winning, like less than ten grand. Wow. Uh, William Hill froze my account. By the way, I was down about forty grand at the beginning of my William Hill uh, career. And this is only betting a dime or two a game. I, I, I knew their model was throwing people out, so I definitely kept it to less than normal large bets. And, you know, I don't want to ever... What you want to do, really, with a bookmaker is you want to slice them. 
you don't want to stick the knife in their stomach and gut them. You just want to slice, just take a little piece every week. You, know, you don't really want to hurt them. So, right on. Unfortunately, though, with William Hill, I was doing that for a nickel, dime, dime. I got all my 40000 back, plus around eh, 25 nothing crazy. And my account was frozen. Um, I called up and they said, yes, we want you to come get your money. And I text Joe Asher because I actually knew him personally. Asher, the CEO. He texted me back with his email address. I sent him a full-scale email saying, listen, you guys froze my account. I'm sure you're throwing me out. You should just take nickels from me just to have so I can keep the account. You know, at least you my nickel and you're working with it. Um, you know what side I'm on. If I'm such a sharp better, which of course I am, um, then why not take my information Overmove your line and put the customers on the opposite side of me. This way, you give yourself a bigger edge, supposedly. And that's what the the Chris Andrews, Jimmy Vaccaro's over at the South Point do. Mm. So uh, I assume that's not the first sports book you've been kicked out of yourself. No, no. Stations Casino has backed me off. But let's just go to William. Let's stick with William Hill. It's one of my favorite topics, actually. Yeah, yeah. About them. So um, William Hill has thrown some people out of Monmouth Park, and I'm sure they're going to throw people out of their casinos in Atlantic City, the Ocean Resort is booking, they're booking bets. So, however, there's a law on the book from 1982. Ken Houston, a blackjack player, sued, successfully sued the casinos. They can't throw you out. They can't bar you from playing. Uh, they can cut the deck. They can shuffle. So there's a lot of, and they, they, can limit your, they can limit your bets, and they can just say the table's no longer, a, it's only a $100 maximum now. There's nothing to do. Well, I guess it's the same thing in sports betting. So right now they haven't been challenged. So that's the reason why Monmouth Park just started. And I say Monmouth Park, it's William Hill. Start people out. But they really can't throw you out. From what I'm reading, I just, just had a division of gaming person from New Jersey um, that, that emailed me and said they cannot throw you out. So that's huh. something that hasn't been challenged yet in New Jersey. So maybe I'll be the first person to challenge it. All right, Bill, thanks for joining us today on the Wager Pager podcast. We really appreciate you taking out the time. You guys can follow Bill at Twitter on, at Bill Crackman. That's spelled with a K. Yep, that's it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. No problem. Anytime. Take care. What's up, guys? Welcome back. We are dangerously close to football season. We are one week out from what we are calling a mini week one. We got a couple of matchups with smaller schools, shit teams, but you know we're going to take action. The following week, we have the first official slate of college football coming up. We welcome back into the studio Jim Rulin, former defensive back from Marist College and one of my oldest friends and gambling buddies. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Uh, thanks for having me back on the Wager Pager. So excited. Uh, football season is pretty much here and looking forward to having some fun, man. Let's go. Right on, right on. Let's do it. All right, let's dive right in. We have... Uh, Two games on the schedule for Saturday, August 25th. Two games that they're actually currently offering lines for, that is. We have uh, Wyoming Cowboys versus the New Mexico State Aggies. New Mexico favored by four. It opened at four, and it's currently sitting at six. Any thoughts on this game? I mean, not much. I know, like you said before, you know, they tend to be uh, some of the smaller schools, not really big-name schools, so... Um, most people probably don't know much about the teams, stuff like that. So pretty much, you know, for me, you know, uh, I like to see typically an underdog play here, um, you know, because, again, no, mat no matter how bad these teams are, they're both fresh, 0-0, you know, it's a new season. They both have high hopes, you know. You start the season off on a win, and it's like, hey, maybe uh, 
maybe this is a different team than our typical, you know, program has. So, um, you know, so I typically like the underdogs on these type of games just for the fact that, you know, um, it's really anyone's game. You know, uh, it's like any given Sunday, you know, right. anyone can win. Right. I think the uh, odds makers might be going off of last year's results. Yep. Wyoming had a, a big year last year with quarterback Josh Allen now on the Buffalo Bills, one of the top picks in the NFL draft. New Mexico State is coming off of one of their most successful seasons in their program history. They went to their first bowl game last year since 1960. They beat Arizona State for only the fifth winning season in their program's history in the last 50 years. So I'd say they have a little momentum carrying over from last season into week one. No, definitely, like you said, uh, I think with these type of games, typically, uh, you know, the lines are being set on uh, what they were thinking of how the team ended off last year. So obviously with Josh Allen being a big draft pick, uh, a big QB coming out of the uh, draft, so they're kind of using the Wyoming name that people were seeing all last year as kind of bringing them up to the favorite. So whereas, like you said, New Mexico State having one of their best seasons um, in their program's history, you know, so they're trying to build something, you know. So like I said, you know, to be an underdog uh, when they've seen their program is starting to go on the up and up, you know, this is a good statement game for them to be like, hey, you know what, we were underdogs opening season, you know, stuff like that. So very um, good point. Yeah. Very good point. According to ActionNetwork.com right now, 28% of the tickets are coming in on New Mexico State, but actually 54% of the money played is going in on Mexico State. And that's a red flag right there that tells me that there's a, some big money tickets, some sharp money going in on the New Mexico State side. Because with only 32% of, of the plays going on their side, according to Covers.com, and 68% on Wyoming, I'm going to go contrarian and go with, with uh, the side that the bookies are on and the side that looks like the Sharps are on. So New Mexico State opened at plus six, but now it's currently at plus four. To me, that's a red flag because all the money is on Wyoming. 68% of the money is on Wyoming, yet the line is moving away from that. That doesn't make any sense. That's reverse line movement right there, and that tells me that there's sharp action coming in on New Mexico State. I like them at plus four. Yeah, I agree, man. For for all the things we said before, my big thing is I, I love, uh, you know, dogs. So Home dogs. Yeah. Can't go wrong with yeah. that. So the second game on the slate for Saturday, August 25th, is the Colorado State Rams favored by 14 at home versus the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. This is a, uh, a public play. We don't normally touch games. Big two touchdown favorites like this. 91% of the public money is on Colorado State according to Covers.com, but I think we're leaning towards Colorado State, right? With Colorado State, right now they are currently on a seven-game win streak against Hawaii, 15-9 and all-time against them. Hawaii, with the fact that you know they live all the way out there and they have to travel back and forth to the mainland, I think has caused uh, for their program to typically not have many great seasons, in my opinion. You know, a lot of uh, distance to travel, uh, it takes a toll on your team, you know, it's what typically about four hours to the mainland, six hours. So that's a lot of travel time. 100 percent, dude. That's a great point. Um, Hawaii is a mere two and six in road openers in its last eight seasons. So that speaks right there to what wow. you're saying. Yeah. And Hawaii is just four and 28 in the Mountain West Conference since they joined. So this is a shit team. We don't, we don't like the back shit teams. Yeah. We're going to bet against a shit team. Yeah. So just to wrap up our official plays for the first mini week of college football next weekend, we are going with New Mexico State Aggies plus four, home dog, 
And we're going to lay the chalk with the Colorado State Rams, minus 14 at home. So moving forward, looking ahead to the first official week of college football, the first full slate, um, why don't we pick like four games each that are kind of standing out to us from the board, and uh, we'll take it from there, a couple uh, early leans. Early leans, I got you, man. So for me, uh, U- uh, University of uh, Central Florida versus UConn. Uh, okay. UConn is home. Right now, uh, University of Central Florida is a, a minus 24 favorite. Uh, I'm actually going to give the points. Uh, I'm actually leaning uh, UCF because I think they're out to prove to everyone that has anointed Alabama as the best dynasty, the best team. Uh, and I think they what they held their own parade that they were the NC, you know, the national champion. So yeah, they got their own rings and everything. Yep. So I I think, I think they even hung a banner. Yeah. So uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but hey, no, pretty weak. Great, great <laughs> team. Don't get me wrong, you know, but I think they're out to prove that that was not a one year fluke. That they're an up and coming program to be reckoned with. So. Uh, I, I think right now I'm leaning, giving those points right now. So. Okay. Well, what about the the loss of Scott Frost, the head coach? Think that comes into play? Yeah, I could. Uh, I definitely will, but I still think you know they're gonna try to ride high on that. So uh, I typically don't like favorites, but I think just as a program in general, uh, they're gonna continue to try to move forward and uh, keep that program running uh, and try to you know because again, Florida's a hotbed for talent. They need to stay on top. So True. Uh, I mean. And they need to win, not just win games. They need to win big to can compete with Florida State, FSU, uh, Miami, uh, Florida. You know all those teams that are up and coming right now. In terms so, of recruiting, in terms of recruiting, so if right. they want to keep that home talent, uh, they need to crush teams. And I think this is a, a game where they should be able to to win. Interesting, big. interesting. I like that. All right. Well, uh, one game that stuck out to me right away when I was looking at the lines. I got an in-state rivalry here, week one. I got uh, Boston College at home, favored by 18, versus the UMass Minutemen. Call me crazy, but I kind of like UMass, plus 18. Right now on Covers.com, they're only getting 36% of the money, 64% to Boston College. Boston College has been a little bit of a preseason darling. A lot of people picking them to do well in the ACC this year. So I don't know how hard they're really coming out week one to play UMass. I'm, I'm looking for a letdown there. I'll take plus 18 with UMass and the points. Another game I'm looking at, uh, again, you know I always like those home dogs, especially to start the season off. So uh, Tulane against Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest typically a, a weaker opponent in the ACC. I think uh, Wake Forest kind of scheduled that game with the hopes of you know getting their season uh, started off on a win, but uh, with Tulane being at home, typically they're a strong opponent within their conference. Uh, is looking to kind of be like, hey, you know, you know, we can play with the big boys, the ACCs and stuff like that. So uh, seven points at home to start the season. Uh, I'm liking that. So loving that, dude. I want to marry that game. I'm up on that play too. I actually had that as one of my early leans. Tulane plus seven. Uh, 37% of the bets on Action Network and uh, 59% of the money. So right there, that tells us that there's a lot of big-ticket money plays coming in on the two-lane green wave at plus seven. So, yeah, let's ride yeah, it. Let's do it. What uh, What else are you looking at? Another uh, home dog. Uh, I like Liberty versus Old Dominion. Uh, right now, uh, Liberty is uh, getting uh, six and a half at home. So, again, just another trend. I like the home dog, especially to start the season. Uh, they're returning 16 returning starters, nine on offense. Uh, a big part of Liberty's uh, season last year in terms of their offense was uh, was a passing 
uh, focused. And right now, Old D has all young secondary, all new fresh starters, I think, except for maybe one corner that's a returning starter. So so for a team that's pretty much pass-heavy going up against a team that uh, has all young secondary, you know, um, they played some last year, but again, you know, um, that's a lot to ask for. Now, don't get me wrong. Old D is returning, I, I believe, also 16, maybe 17 starters. So, uh, But they're more of a, a rushing team. And I think uh, with the fact that uh, Liberty has a lot of returning defensive players, I think, you know, uh, with this day and age, you know, passing. So uh, so I like, again, six and a half points uh, at home, you know, Liberty. So, I guess the next game that I'm looking at that sticks out to me is somewhat of a situational play. We've talked about this so far, uh, handicapping situations and different things that are going on with the team, uh, sometimes outside of football. Um, I don't like to really capitalize on on unfortunate events, especially uh, when someone passes away. But uh, unfortunately, with uh, what happened over at the University of Maryland, with the death of one of their players, Jordan McNair, who uh, died of heat stroke, and uh, the upheaval of the whole coaching staff, you know, on leave right now. Yeah, so. uh, the head coach DJ DJ Durkin has been put on paid administrative leave because of the controversy. Uh, University of Maryland has come out and pretty much accepted responsibility for the young man's death. Yeah, which is a horrible, horrible situation. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to Jordan McNair's family. But I think I'm going to go with Texas. It did. It opened at 8.5. It's got shot up all the way to 13.5 because of the controversy. But I just think with the new head coach, Tom Herman, second-year head coach, Tom Herman, coming in, Maryland has just got to be distraught right now with all the bad press and everything that's going on with the program. I don't really see how those kids could be focused coming out week one, especially going up against a big school like Texas. So I will lay the chalk there at minus 13 and a half. You think that might be motivational, though, for them? The team, Maryland, maybe rallying around to kind of get a win? It could be. It could be. I mean, <laughs> that's why it's a lean. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's a lean at this point. We have to look into it a little more. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. We'll have to, we'll have to look into that. Uh, what else are you looking at? The last game I got is probably a big marquee game uh, to start the season. Uh, it will be huge for either program. It is the Miami Hurricanes and uh, LSU Tigers. The U. Yep. Right now Miami is at minus three. It is played at a neutral site. So for me, you know, this is uh, both coaches' third year. You know, typically I like to side with the coach that's on their third year because this pretty much means that the guys that they initially recruited are now juniors, uh, potentially seniors and stuff like that, and transfers. Uh, for me, you got Rogier. Uh, he's a uh, senior starter for QB. But this is really, I, I think, a turning point for Miami, who's really kind of been out of the spotlight in terms of the big program, you know, the U days. And uh, if they can get this win, start the season off, they could kind of catapult themselves back into that national spotlight that, you know, they are a team that is back, you know, to own not just maybe Florida, but the nation and potentially uh, make a run for, uh, you know, an, uh, the national championship playoff. Where they were very much in the mix last year on the national scale for the first time in a very long time. But I think we should also disclaim to the audience that you are a big-time Miami fan. I am. I'm all about the U. Uh, <laughs> probably probably one of my uh, teams I've always stuck through. 
Uh, but even besides that, I, I just like the fact how uh, the Miami program is up and coming. You have some great uh, returning seniors. And LSU, you know, has had a couple stumbled years since uh, Les Miles has left. But don't get me wrong, that program does play in the SEC, considered one of probably the best program uh, conference in the country. Their so defense is always solid. Yep. So, uh, I mean, it's definitely it's, – it's, it's, it's a big, big – big boys game in that one you know so you know two teams that are typically always in the discussion in terms of like a top 10 uh program so yeah i don't know man i i might i might be going against you in this spot these are just leans it's definitely not a play at this point but i kind of like lsu there i don't know why just maybe a little um little bit of Miami being overvalued because of the success they had last year and stuff like that well you don't like the turnover chain no nah, turnover <laughs> chain <laughs> The turnover chain was cool for like the yeah. first couple of weeks, yeah. and then it got so played out towards the end. They were bringing it out for everything. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, so yeah. So that. So typically, you know, with Miami minus three uh, is is kind of who I'm liking. But like, like you said before, uh, I'm speaking more of a a real dedicated fan. But also, uh, I I think this is a year that Miami does turn the page and, and bring brings their program back to uh, you know national discussion year in and year out. So. Cool. Very fair. Um, Moving on to my uh, last here, my last pick, my last lean for the week one college football slate. It's another one of these big games in a big marquee spot that we normally don't like to touch. But uh, there's a tremendous amount of public money coming in on this game. I'm talking about Florida State Seminoles at home, minus six and a half, versus the Virginia Tech Hokies. According to Covers.com, 96% of the money is coming in on the favorites. Florida State at minus 6.5 right there. Again, that's a red flag to me to go the other way and take the points with Virginia Tech plus 6.5. Yeah, I kind of like that game too, Chris. You know, Virginia Tech, uh, third-year coach on uh, Fuente. Uh, I've always liked the third-year coaches. Again, it's it's his recruiting class that is finally uh, taking the reins of the team. Uh, and this is first-year coach uh, Taggart, so with the team. So, uh, yeah, FSU always has talent. You know, um, you know, to, to inherit talent like that is good. But again, I just think it's uh, asking a lot to ex- assume FSU is going to maintain that course that they've always done and being a sh- solid, strong team. Uh, this is usually a big rival for the ACC. You know, Virginia Tech Hokies have always typically been a, a tough team to play. So. To get almost a touchdown, you know, opening the season, you know, conference play is a lot to, uh, to give up. So, uh, yeah, I kind of like that game too. All right, guys, I think that's all the time we have for today. Again, that was our mini week one plays and our official week one college football leans. Thanks to Jim Rulin for joining us again. Uh, we'll be back next week with our official college football week one plays. It's always a blast to hang out with you and Mercedes at the Wager Pager. Let's get these locks, buddy. All right, let's get this money. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for episode three. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play and leave us a review. We love to hear what you guys think, so please keep them coming. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day and all calls are confidential. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager Podcast. Bye, guys. Later. Here we go. Here we go.
The Wager Pager podcast is co-hosted and co-produced by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Edited by Mercedes Barba. Created by Chris Rogers. Additional analysis provided by Jim Rulin. Music by The Morose Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. 